Hello, it's me, Robert, your friend and editor of the podcast. This part might sound a bit different because I'm recording it on my phone from my home office. Uh, You've obviously noticed by now that this episode's super late, and we do, of course, apologize for that. But I've been deathly ill for the past four months. Ideally, this won't happen again. Um, We're going to have an announcement pretty soon after this with some housekeeping and some interesting stuff coming up. Uh, But fingers crossed, we'll never go this long without missing an episode again. But then again, I've been sick three times in the past month and a half, so maybe I'll be blighted by God again. Who knows? Anyways, I hope you enjoy the episode, and uh, have a good December. Hello, and welcome back to the DM screen. I'm Alex. I'm Matt. And I'm Robert. And come on and settle down as we get into everybody's favorite holiday, Halloween! I hope you're all having a great Christmas. Yeah, we record these early. We like to be prepared. This isn't prepared. That's the this opposite. Just, yeah. No, I'm pretty sure this is prepared for Christmas. For Christmas. Um, so should it's we... all about frame of reference. So should I would say the next one should just be a Christmas episode, but I think that would just be an episode about how to deal with the fact that all of your players have family. We could do... Ooh, <laughs> that would be a good uh, one for D&D Away From The Table. We could also talk about holiday-themed games. Because I have run a save Christmas game. Speaking of holiday-themed games, today we're talking about horror and role-playing games. Because that shit is hard. What does that have to do with Halloween? Uh, it's spooky. Oh, yeah. Spooky. That's, that's like the whole idea. I mean... You we, pitched this idea. No, it was me, actually. Oh. I mean, we uh, could just have an episode about eating a lot of candy at your sessions. I do like eating a lot of candy, and that is also the theme of the Halloween event that uh, Dungeons & Dragons Adventures League runs, Ooh. where they have a bunch of shit you can throw into the Adventures League uh, adventures, and then if you do it, you get candy corn, which can be redeemed for spiders. Heck yeah. Why spiders? Well, yeah, what because do spiders do? You can ride them, because they're giant. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I'm back on. <laughs> I'm back right. on board. Right, we're here now. So, yeah. you also get a witch's hat that acts as an arcane focus, which if you do not get that, you have cheated yourself severely, my friend. Yeah, it's a hat that shoots lasers. Yeah, it's a hat that lets you dual wield. <laughs> <laughs> that is mechanically the best thing you just said. Yeah, <laughs> like... I, yeah you cast with your face. All right. Uh, okay. So, Matt, if you want to pull us into yeah, our first... Yeah, I definitely uh, do. Okay, so we're talking about horror today. Horror can be hard to invoke when you're sitting at the table with, I was going to say, a bunch of either your friends or chuckle fucks, but... Um, I think it's going to work best with your friends. Yeah, yeah. one and the same, really. Well, yeah. sometimes. Some, a lot of the time. The moral of the story is that to run a horror game... You have to have players who are into it, and you have to do a pretty darn good job. Speaking of players that are into it, can we just all give our um, own personal like feeling on horror as just a genre? Overall? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should get like the litmus test here. Like, gauge your appreciation. I think I'm the only person in this group that enjoys spooky things. Yeah, see, I don't like horror as a genre of entertainment to consume, because most of the time I just get angry at people not making reasonable choices. But I really enjoy horror as a aspect of a role-playing game uh, because then I get to make the choices and mostly they involve explosions. See, and I hate horror overall because I'm a giant coward and it throws me into the nightmare zone <laughs> for, I don't know, a good two weeks after consuming it. So I, do, for real, dog, like, if I watch, if I, particularly if I read something, my sleep will be fucked for two weeks. Because then it's entirely of your own creation. It's just, just recurring nightmare town. It's which, the worst. Which is the merit of doing horror this way. Yeah. It's way the hell scarier because it's exactly what you don't want it to be. Yeah, but that's, I don't know. 
Okay, ignore the flaps. We have a very nice dog. Yeah, he's right got now. an itchy face. It's a spooky bat. <laughs> hey, there we go. Um, okay, one thing that needs to be addressed before we get too far in here. Uh, when it comes to coming up with horror, what I'm envisioning here is how to make it work in a game that isn't necessarily tailored to that sort of experience. Like, for example... If you want to do a horror game, you can just play Call of Cthulhu. It's built for it. Or like that Jenga one, whose name I never remember. Oh. It's like Doom or Fright or something. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's some synonym for scared. If you just look up <laughs> Jenga RPG, you'll probably find it. See, I was going to say, um, I feel like that's a little bit of a reductive thought process. Because you can play uh, Call of Cthulhu or Supernatural or Vampire the Masquerade. And it can be ostensibly horror-themed but if you don't do a good job of running the game, it won't be horror. Uh, which is amusingly kind of how the Vampire the Masquerade CRPG ended up for me. Because it turns out, if you're a vampire, you're basically on top of the heap. So it's like, oh no, zombies! I don't care about them because I'm a vampire with a shotgun. And this is like <laughs> several problems I don't need to worry about. Yeah, see, I wouldn't consider Vampire the Masquerade a horror game. I mean, there's definitely tons of gothic horror influence. You're a fucking vampire. But it's not really scary because again, you're the scary thing. So I think how? we should I think we should draw a line between horror, the the genre, the thing that just contains like slashers and vampires and werewolves and all that jazz. Honestly, every campaign is two steps away from that to begin with. Frankenstein's. Yeah, and horror, the the theme, the actual like feeling of horror uh, that gets evoked by a well made horror movie. So how do you make a bunch of nerds sitting around with some paper covered in Cheeto dust afraid? So I got a couple. I have a couple. Hello, of thoughts everybody! On this. I brought your crushes to the game today. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I do expect character voices. At <laughs> first, one of you that dies, I am tweeting your location and character name <laughs> <laughs> to everyone you work with. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah, I was like, I love that idea, but then I was over here like, jokes on you. My wife is in this game. I was saying, no. What I'm are you gonna, gonna do? I'm going to steal a, a McElboy theme. Your character dies. You have to retweet a minion meme with no explanation. <laughs> yes. Okay, that is pretty good, actually. So how I do feel we... like that's more of a... That's, that's some horror, but I feel like that's more in the make death, <laughs> my... death meaningful. That was a gross mischaracterization by me, by the way. I'm sorry. It was just very funny. It was, uh, it was pretty good. That was only accurate for us in high school, middle school, and part of college. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we all get we all get one semi tasteless joke. <laughs> well, <laughs> we so... excised yours from reality. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. It was I... mostly poor phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> They're all poor phrasing. Oh yeah. Okay. So okay. poor themes in role playing. Okay. So no time. Yeah. There's there's uh, uh, a lot of different. I would say types of horror and a lot of different themes that you can pull out with it. I guess I want to do themes first, even though it's not on the top of my small list here. Uh, so you had uh, two weeks to write this. Well, you're the one who said themes four or five times. It's <laughs> a good no, word. You know what? I'm defining horror now. Oh, okay. you did this to us. Webster's Dictionary says <laughs> defines horror as Urban the feeling Dictionary I get every says. time this bat flaps its ears during the podcast. <laughs> I love you. You're a good dog. Let's look at okay go no, ahead. okay so uh there's a couple of things that you can invoke in a game there are things you can't invoke in a game uh it's hard to make a God. person feel mortal so, peril because we're not that one game night movie uh and nobody's gonna bust in with a gun unless you have like grossly miscalculated how social interaction is supposed to work 
so the easiest one I think is suspense. It's the easiest one to quantify. It's the hardest one to do. Because uh, that's the only one where you're not describing things. Suspense is uh, where you have to make the, the, the players imagine the horrifying thing. Which is simultaneously, it's the hardest one to plan, but the easiest one to get away with. Because you just have to set it up, and then they just finish it for you. Yeah, yeah, you just have to let them spin their wheels, basically. Yeah, but you have to be crafty enough to do that. And I don't know if we are. The biggest problem with suspense is you have to have something to pay it off with. Yes, I do love you, though. Very um, distracting dog today, and I'm not going to do anything about it. He's so good. good. Uh, he's he's going to be helpful to Swaga in this trying time of us talking about psychological and body horror, which are the next parts I was oh, going to talk man, about. Body horror is my least favorite. I'm like, but so, how do you do that without just getting into horrible description of things? Because that's getting back this. to like to our that guy series of just yeah. don't stop saying that. So it's important it's important to have like a, a boundary that you're working with your players within during the game and have them understand that horrifying things can come up. But I think you can pretty reasonably describe body horror in a way that disgusts and unquiets people without... Basically, if you don't start talking about, like, genitals, you're probably going to be fine. Because, like, uh, you guys had that campaign where you were in the water and, like, those big uh, lampreys were devouring fresh corpses, and I'm pretty sure I got a couple of people irpy at the table... But uh, so, I don't think anyone was upset enough to stop playing. Matt's rule of thumb, no cock and ball torture when you're doing body horror. <laughs> yeah. That is a great way to live your life. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if you actually are playing like Warhammer 40k, uh, what's the new one, Wrath and Glory? Sure. And like a Slaneshi demon just popped out of somebody. You don't need the cock and balls. Uh, it's not or any other parts. Yeah, no, no genitals. You can talk about somebody's like flesh rupturing. <laughs> the official DM screen... Uh... Stance, no genitals. No genitals, <laughs> only fake genitals. Bad dragon, we're still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Email us, we're hungry, please. <laughs> but I think it's uh, uh, it's about terms you use. It's about um, evoking an image without having to like get too into it. If people at your table are not into like uh, having blood described to them, and that will make them like legitimately uncomfortable. I looked up a lamprey. Why? I don't know. I forgot what they looked like for a I second. I thought I adequately described like a tube sock with a uh, uh, mouth filled with I just, teeth. I just forget it. Yeah. yeah, it's a miniature sarlacc. Yeah, I yeah, don't like you, that. You have to keep yourself serious for the description. You can't say a tube sock filled with stabby teeth or a miniature sarlacc. You have to say like an undulating form sliding through the water. It's mouth filled with uh, hundreds of sharp needle-like teeth that rend gobbets of flesh from the uh, ruptured bodies of the slain. Uh, and everyone else got quiet. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah, you were busy. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. But uh, if, you can keep, if you can keep your like, shit together, you can do that. Uh, psychological horror is a little bit harder. Uh, but you can still do like non-Euclidean monsters and like freaky. Which I've uh, never, I've never liked that stuff because it's like, I don't know. It just feels like a cop out to be like, it's fucking crazy. You see this color? You don't understand this color. It's spooky. Well, you, now, you got to go beyond that. There's ways to quantify things that don't make sense. See, that's that's Sathonic horror, but also it's a matter of description. You can't, like you said, you can't just say. Oh, no, it's a spooky color that's the color of fear and terror-ish. It's like a yellow, but bad. <laughs> we call this bad yellow. <laughs> yeah, bellow. <laughs> Yad. 
But no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ad. Yes. It's the ad. Yeah, All right. Just... Yeah, no, we did it. Now, can we please have like a 38 book deal? A dark form uh, apparates on the edges of your vision. You try to look at it. You but it's yad. <laughs> but it's so yad. No, you can you can get into that. Um, you can get into it within the mechanics of the game. Uh, I knew of some guys who did an excellent job running vampires just in uh, like second edition Dungeons and Dragons with just the. I mean that's the entire plot of Ravenloft. But uh, other than that, uh, with just like the abilities and spells and stuff available to a vampire, he kept like. He would wait for people to be going down the stairs and cast, like, Wall of Stone right. before the last member of the party. Swag is still holding his phone. Are you still looking up pictures of Lambert? No, I, no, I can't find my notes anymore because I'm dumb. I was cackling about something else. You should do what I do and just not write any. Well. And then they, uh, they'd take that player outside so the others wouldn't hear what was going on. And they'd, like, run through the, probably you got dominated. And then just, like, oh, hey, that guy's gone. You turned around and there's a wall now. And I think that's a that's actually interesting. I think we talked about suspense. A great way to ratchet up suspense is to take a player away from the table, because for the player he's still playing, but for everyone else at the table speaking from experience, that is an extremely anxiety-inducing moment. Yeah, I uh, did that uh, with uh, Gene Steeler Infestation. You did. It was great until I died. Yeah, you were fine. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I was talking about the other Gene Steeler Infestation oh. that you were fine in. Now, uh, yeah. this is an interesting thought here, because I'm going to try to branch off that and realize that making a spooky game is very similar to making a funny game, but you just remove the punchline. Because we're talking here about the idea of raising a lot of unnecessary tension, putting player in, like, danger that they don't fully comprehend, taking people aside and secretly, like, put, pitting them against other people. That was just my paranoia campaign. This yeah, is true. Which is a super funny, incredibly kind of British sci-fi horror thing. Your paranoia campaign, it's actually extremely American, thank you. <laughs> it is super it American. It is super anti-commie. But, um... <laughs> I'm pretty sure the British aren't commies. That's not a solid argument. Yeah. They didn't like them either. They didn't have McCarthyism, though. They didn't overthrow quite as many countries during that period. Yeah. Anyways... Look, they uh, were stuck in the middle, and the people around the left were offering more money, so... The moral of the story... I think you mean the... Are you talking about, like, on the fucking globe? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, a map. Yeah, west? Uh, the people to the west? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, the men from the left lands. Because <laughs> I will let you know that communism is arguably on the far left. <laughs> um, I'm not going to use west and east anymore, guys. I'm done yeah, with that. Yeah, <laughs> west is now upward left. You gotta look up, and then you look left. <laughs> You've hurt me. Uh, yeah, no, your paranoia campaign even had like Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, we did have that ghost thing. Yeah, there's a whole ghost ghost scenario and necromancers. Yeah, we had Gauss cannons, which we eventually decided were full of ghosts because we don't know what a Gauss is. Yeah, we yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just like a physician or something. But someone correct me. I'm a dumb. Did you but say yeah. physician? Physicist. Physicians are. <laughs> okay. It's late, and there's to not much fair, wine left. You in said this. physician. I thought you meant it fired physicians, and I was like, no, it fired ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh, psychological horror is cool. You can make people scared. Um, you can uh, you can especially get into psychological horror with like ambience. Uh, I've definitely 
uh, like turned off the lights and put on candles or small lighting sources. Uh, I had you guys Barry White playing in the background. Wait, some <laughs> I had some of you guys in the jungle. Uh, oh yeah, with monsters, and I like put on jungle noises and turned down the lights. You enjoyed that. Stop making it's that not face. What I'm okay, but yeah, no. It's basically just imagine comedy, but like you're into it instead of uh, it's about to be a joke. Yeah, like you, you just take out the prestige. There's no punchline. It just keeps building and then doesn't go anywhere. With that said, I did definitely have a horror game where somebody brought fresh baked cookies, and that is a fucking scene killer. You cannot come back. <laughs> you cannot come back to horror when people are like, "Oh no, what's going to happen when I leave this haunted bus station? I will have another cookie, though." It's like the it's like the literal like Harry Potter thing of like you encounter a Dementor here, eat this chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same idea for real, though. <laughs> yeah, it's why. Um, yeah, we're out in Texas, so we have the Alamo Draft House, which is a great movie theater. Yes. They give you fancy foods. And Don't beer. see horror movies there, because it's really hard to be invested, and then, like, your waitress comes by and asks if you want a milkshake, and you're like, oh, well, well yes. You're like, well, yes, but... Now, please let me get back to this clown murder. They don't ask you. They just bring you the milkshake after you've ordered. Well, I'm just saying, we're not denigrating the Alamo Draft House. They, they don't interrupt the movie unless something's gone wrong. Do they always interrupt the movie to tell me I picked a beer that was out? They, I do that once a visit. I you could stop doing that. They have just, a list outside. I, I pick from the list that I do. Remember the extremely sober human waitress who brought you a beer? Mm. I love the extremely sober human waitress. Uh, we, we were at a uh, spaghetti warehouse, and it was yeah. raining outside, and they definitely did not expect any more people to show up that day, so we just sat at the bar, and the extremely sober normal human waitress brought him a beer whose bottle was the same color as the one he ordered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't thinking... You know, that. that's partial credit. Yeah, partial. Yeah. I was like, this isn't a Peroni, and then I watched her like stumbling around behind the bar, and I was like... It's prony. <laughs> it's a prony enough. I think she noticed like twenty minutes later. Yeah, I went to a side away from our side because uh, I actually went to a spaghetti warehouse for the first time yesterday. Oh yeah, okay, what I'm... the fuck is that place? I thought I'd never eaten there. I don't know. I just drank. First off, it's called the Spaghetti Warehouse. That's not how you store this. you got, like, tagliatelle or something and not spaghetti. I, I got a manicotti. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. How many spaghetti do you need? It's a spaghetti crepe. Thank you. It is just a spaghetti crepe, isn't it? Or an Italian enchilada, however you want to go about it. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with both of those descriptions, but whatever. No, it's just, instead of, like, the goopy cheese, it's just full of ricotta, and it's amazing. They're pretty good. But yeah, like, I went in there, and just, first off, they call it that. There's a fucking train inside the building. Yes. I, what's the aesthetic? What? Okay, so what is with, there's a generation of restaurants that have trains in them. Andy's Kitchen. Andy's Kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it should And none of them bring you food on the train, which is deeply disappointing. Aww. Like, I don't... Yeah, I don't it's understand like... the reasoning. Did Was there just a time that the train industry collapsed and everyone's like, well, we gotta use this yard for something. Well, Here's I mean, a sandwich. When I think of, well, when I think about it, there's a restaurant by my uh, parents' house that was train-themed and it was just a taqueria. Like, okay, okay. Trains, trains are good. I liked trains when I was a child. You look, trains are cool. Someone bring me a chalupa. I can hold up to this. Basically. So, so anyway, psychological horror is... Uh, psychological horror, horror is describing manicotti as an Italian burrito. No. Enchilada. <laughs> yes. In front of... I don't know who. But psychological <laughs> horror is, is things like uh, being alone or be, not knowing what happened to somebody or like... Being being aware that the world you're in is not necessarily the world that actually exists. 
walking into a, a labyrinth and turning a corner and finding the entrance that you already walked through. Which is super easy to do, especially if you don't use maps when you play, because things only exist as you describe them. Like, things can disappear or change instantaneously, and you don't even have to worry about your effects budget. Yeah, that's some, that's some old say... school shit to have at. To have maps and stuff. That's some old school school shit to expect a player to like keep a hand drawn map. I haven't done that in literal years. Oh, it's some good stuff. I mean, it's good when it happens, but it's so rare nowadays. I feel. Should we? We need to do an episode on like the forgotten skills of the dungeon builder. <laughs> the old ways. Yeah, it's gonna be about like making your own map and buying thirty chickens during character creation. I have to say though, uh, the merits of the ten foot pole. You get it's you, the best item. It's the best item, especially if it's collapsible. Yeah, you get fewer people who are upset with the like you pulling a sneaky on them. Uh, if you, as the DM, are actually good at sleight of hand, and on the table you like disappear something or like add something to the map, and then the, they notice it several minutes later and go, "Has that been always been there?" Okay, I like that our advice show is okay. How to do this? Be a magician. Yeah, not like just a street magician. You don't have to get fancy with it. I'm. I mean, yeah, it's good advice for this, part, this set, process. Set off some flash paper with one hand and suddenly alter the map while your players are confused. You know, if you can pull it off, that's a great idea. That's go, a fucking go for it. Horrible hey, idea. I've been what? Playing Be this a game. wizard and a wizard. <laughs> I've been playing this game for a long time. I'm pretty sure you can wait two minutes and the players will suddenly be in a conversation that's deep enough that you can just draw whatever the fuck you want. On the okay, table. that's fair. Yeah. I've done that so many times. Yeah, you just stop describing things and then someone will get on an eight-minute tangent about whether or not they should have killed the barkeep. Yeah. Yeah. Or they start talking about, like, this. see, this is a good way to teach your players not to talk about, like, movies at the table until the break because they'll get into an argument about the latest Avengers movie and then you're just like... Do, 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 and they look back on the t- on the table. It's like, hey, were those zombies always there? No, you thought they were corpses twenty seconds ago. Well, you know, are we allowed to talk about the fact that in retrospect, I think there were only like five good Marvel movies? Yeah, there's about five. Oh, look, a bunch of fucking zombies! <laughs> oh no, it scared the dog. <laughs> oh no, uh, curses and prophecies. I lumped these two together, but they're kind of the the opposite <laughs> of each other. A curse is a thing that, like... Oh, I guess curses are active, prophecies are passive, kind of. Pretty much, yeah. Prophecy is, is kind of in the, like, if you go into this dungeon, only one person shall shall exit. Uh, and curses are more like, you will die a horrible death. Yes. You personally. Uh, that's why you keep almost getting run down by, like, the fairy. Um, it's just horrible curse. May all of your pants turn into mimics. A curse or a prophecy is something that... Like, especially if, if you can make it believable that the things that they're trying to uh, escape keep popping up. If you can Oedipus them without having to Oedipus them, <laughs> uh, you're doing a pretty good job. Just like pump the, the brakes there at the end. Yeah, the, no, the Greek-style prophecy where they tell you a horrible thing is going to happen. And, and then, then you just do it. And then whatever you do ends up making the thing happen. That's... That's a good horror prophecy. You know, I'm really glad that you brought up that idea, because you made it into, like, a Greek tragedy thing. I definitely would have described it as a That's So Raven scenario. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good, too. No, you're right. You're 100% right. I don't know. Do they teach Oedipus Rex anymore? That's So Raven might be more applicable. <laughs> um, hey, I don't want to make you guys feel old, but uh, what year was That's So Raven canceled? The, um, I don't know. Definitely. Do you know? We're definitely past a decade, almost two, if I had to guess. Uh, did well, it's TV.com. Um, First episode in 2003. Oh, 2003. that's later than I expected. And uh, 
knowing how these shows work, it probably... 2007. 2007. Okay, okay, cool. So only 12 years ago. Yeah, whatever. Hey, several of the people who listen to this have probably watched it. Look, man, the day that we're recording this, I was on Instagram and I saw that My Chemical Romance got back together. Everything's possible at this point. My Chemical Romance broke up? Yeah, like a I, fucking decade ago. Even I knew that. Look, I don't listen to My Chemical's Romance. They just made a good show on Netflix. Good for them. Oh. Umbrella Academy? Sure. I dug it. Wait, My Chemical Romance is in that? Um, their singer wrote the comics it's based on. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Can't you tell it's emo as fuck? <laughs> well, I knew that. The last type of horror that I could think of when I was writing this list is uh, what we alluded to earlier, which is just monsters. Which is monsters. And the thing about a good horror monster is that it's usually uh, uh, working on some kind of system. It's usually you don't know a lot about it. Uh, it is uh, obscure. It is doing murders or some kind of bad thing. And you have to stop it, but it doesn't feel like you can. Okay, so you're basically just doing the, like spooky Resident Evil villain that's chasing you throughout the whole game. I mean, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, like Nemesis. Or or werewolves or vampires yeah. within the setting. You can it's, do those horror. Yeah. You can do... So, like, uh, you just have, like, a kind of, like, low-key, slightly spooky setting, and then just every now and then there's, like, a CR-12 bad guy that just pops out of nowhere. Yes. Uh, which you are encouraged to run away from. But also, like, you see their machinations, or even if they're, even if they're an appropriate... You can have a monster with an appropriate challenge rating, uh, but the challenge is just trying to, like, get them to fight you. Like, a werewolf, you can fight a werewolf at, like, well, I don't know, level three. But uh, the problem with the werewolf is that it shows up and bites you and runs off, and now you have to try to figure out how not to become a werewolf. Yeah, like, also, you have to chop your foot off or else you two are in war with. Yeah, also, who was the were? werewolf, and he keeps eating people and guards, and they keep being more werewolves, and a good a good monster either turns other people into copies of themselves in an assimilation type way uh, or is poised to end everything that you care about uh, and doesn't like care about you yeah um quick aside you can also mix all these things obviously oh yeah just yeah. looking at the list the, the one horror movie i've seen in recent memory would that would combine a lot of these is like when I say the thing, like the original one, yeah, yeah. that's monster and body horror, right? Now, when you say the that's original... monster, body horror, horror and, and psychological horror. horror. You say the original, I'm pretty sure you're only talking about the first remake. Well, the John Carpenter one in the 80s, right? Ah, fuck, you're right. And probably suspense, because uh, they definitely don't know what's going on for quite a long time. Yeah. That's true, but... It was, it was the example I was going to go into, because it brought up one of my biggest concerns with this, and then got rid of it. Because when you're doing this, unless you're in a game that is specifically made around feeling some level of helpless and suspense, suspenseful, full of suspense, that one. The problem is that unless you have a game built around that, you probably are a bit of a badass. Like, it's super hard to feel afraid when you're in a group of six wizards. Yeah, that's something we should address now, uh, 30 minutes into the episode, uh, is that horror games lend themselves to either one-shots or short campaigns based on horror. You can get away with it in a couple of systems a little bit, sort of, but most of the time, uh, uh, horror should horror works best as an instance of some kind of horror. Whether it's like a broader Call of Cthulhu, we're trying to stop these cultists from summoning monsters campaign, or a like one-shot Halloween, uh, one person at the table is a slasher and we have to figure out who did it. It's an issue of acclimation, because if it's spooky scary skeletons every day, you get used to it. 
It can't be scary anymore because you've already done this. Yeah, it's like how Walking Dead isn't a horror show because at this point they're just like trying to build a society and stab zombies. Yeah, yeah it's can... just bad. It's just bad American accents. Yeah, and you can only ratchet up the stakes so much until it gets kind of laissez-faire. Look, man, they killed Santa Claus like six years ago. I lost interest. Plus, if... oh, the guy with the beard. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're running a short game, it's a lot easier to like trap people. Yeah. You, can do, you can trap people in a in a normal game too, and have like a one off horror um, session. But horror does benefit a lot from a contained area. Plus, from either, you can kill them. Yes, and no one there won't be big yeah. tears if you kill someone from a short campaign. Like if you introduce a horror for years in, and someone just dies to, you know, medieval Jason, then that's <laughs> going to be a big bummer. Um, because I think this is touched in here. Where it says, um, themes, uh, it says powerlessness, powerlessness. Uh, and I think part of that is having death be not just a possibility, but a likely outcome in a horror game, like that you're running, yeah. also lends itself to a short format. But the problem with that is that you can't just be full of death. It has to be full of the threat of death. It has to be full of death. Yeah. Because if you've ever played any horror video games... It loses so much tension as soon as you die. That's true. Because it reloads fair, and you're like, oh, now it's annoying. Yes. It either loses so much tension or dying is so incredibly unpleasant that you just stop. Mm-hmm. Which is how I view Five Nights at Freddy's. Because it's just, no, no. Yeah, I went through a big fox went a blue wooga I, I yelled a bit, and then I uninstalled it. I yelled like a bad swear and then went, I have to stop playing this game. I don't know where that came from inside of me. I never played it because it looked scary. Yeah. I, I got drunk, I bought it for like $5, <laughs> I got killed by a big fox, and I was like, I feel like I've gotten the experience. You've gotten your $5 out of yeah. five nights of yeah. Freddy's. And now there's eight of them in a book series. And there's a try- book series? Yeah. yeah. There's like and a meta-narrative. Someone's trying to make a movie. You know what? From what I'd heard, I wouldn't mind the meta-narrative of that, honestly. It's, it's interesting, interesting enough. Yeah. yeah, I'd take it. I, I wikied it. Yeah, I wikied it. I wikied it drunk one night, so I wouldn't remember it. Yeah. That's fair. That way I would not have the nightmares. Yeah, but, it's uh, all about like kid ghosts and like stuff i don't want to talk about it i just realized the thing about powerlessness is you have to either uh you got a couple of options for how it resolves you either have to have a way for them to escape and know that they escaped but that there wasn't anything they could do to stop the thing uh a way for them to eventually stop the thing uh or a way for them to uh or you just like kill them and it was a story about people dying and you kind of have to know your audience for that. Because if it's if it's like, hey, everybody, we're going to run a horror game. It's going to be fucking intense. And everybody goes, yeah, okay, that sounds fun. You can probably get away with just being like, you're powerless the whole time. But you still have to allow them to make choices. Or it's just you telling people a story about how you killed avatars of them. Right. <laughs> they, have to, they have to be able to fight back somehow. But I think... Yeah, you can't, you can't let the fight back be like as effective as it normally would be. Uh, I think that means that this lends itself to some setting and some that it lends itself to some settings and it does not lend itself to others. Like I'm running Fifth Ed right now. I don't. I cannot imagine running a horror game in Fifth Ed just because of the inherent how inherently powerful all the player characters are. This does give you the excuse to just go into the super deep parts of the monster manual. That's true. You ever wanted a lich? This is where you get it. You you can go ham with that. That's fair. I was gonna say the. The well, one thing I was gonna say was I'll let you know how Curse of Strahd goes. I'm gonna run it eventually. Ooh. Okay. Or you can come play that, obviously. But uh, uh, I see you've given up on the cup, Alex. 
I figured pouring it would have been loud. <laughs> yeah. It definitely, there are some systems that are better suited for horror than others. I would say the the issue with Fifth Ed is less that everyone in it's a superhero and more that there's not really anything to do other than fight people. Yeah, like, it's not as bad as, like, Fourth was. Oh, yeah, it's not just a fucking board game. Yeah, but... Fourth Ed was just World of Warcraft on a table. Yes. Hate it. But, it was. Uh, it had its merits. I've had fine games. I've had fine games in it. I haven't. But uh, I don't want to run one for you, so you'll have to live with that. Fine. Fifth edition is really suited for. We've encountered a problem. We've described how we're going to solve the problem. The dungeon master has called for one skill check to resolve the problem, and then we passed or failed, and somehow that influenced the story, mm-hmm. which is not a great mechanical loop for uh, uh, horror. Right. Because yeah. you definitely, you want to be more granular with horror. You want to have, like, the guy boarding up the windows and the guy making, like, spike traps by the door both matter. The new Jason game what? Uh, that came out a few, like, a year or two ago. Now, are we talking a Friday the 13th? Yeah, or Friday like, the 13th. I was really hoping it was going to be um, of Argonaut fame. I would love you know, that. That would be a decent horror game, too. Also, yes. That was some spooky shit. Uh, the, the Friday the 13th game that came out has a pretty, honestly, a pretty solid uh, uh, set of things you can take from this because there's a lot of things that the survivors can do and they're trying to survive the night. But they they have, um, like, shotguns and traps and all this stuff, but most of what those do is slow Jason down or disorient him or uh, stop him from being able to advance. So it's a matter of several repeated encounters in which they are just trying to escape. So that's the old busted shit uh what you really want to look at is dead by daylight which took that idea and ran with it with a series of different killers with different abilities including a stranger's thing level yes which oh nice is dope. uh so you if play you, as steve like and the, characters, the characters can do stuff but it is kind of um i mean Nancy's more important than steve Nancy's great this is great fuck you she's the only person in that story who sees a thing and her reaction is i'm gonna fucking kill it nancy was very classist in three which made me a little sad <laughs> but Dead by Daylight, it, it has that same idea as the Jason game, but it expands on it greatly, and frankly, I've watched... I have been... I've seen more moments of genuine fear and, like, interesting interplay between players just by watching a YouTube video of people playing it. <laughs> so, really, if you want to really nail that feeling, and like I, we always say, it's always good to have sources for the things you're pulling for your game, mm-hmm. uh, I would heavily suggest either the Jason or the Dead by Daylight... Uh, one just watch a let's play of it it's really interesting to see how people feel powerful in a powerless situation by having smaller things succeed uh which i think is going to be the main difference between a normal game and a horror game where a normal game like um nailing a skill skill check is fairly normal or in a horror game nailing that skill check should feel as good as killing a gerblin or like there should just be you should have scenarios where you don't need a skill check because you're probably not super skillful you right. need to think of ways to get around this. Either or, but what I'm saying is, it, yeah, basically just make the small things the make the small things the big things, and make the big things not effective. Yeah, if that makes sense. Why does that feel like a Pinterest post? It's so. Uh, like, I don't that's know. written in like swirly font on like a like an unlacquered piece of wood somewhere. Yeah, it is. So I don't know anything about Dead by Daylight. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is convenient because the next point I want to talk about was the unknown. Yay! Uh, one of the big things in horror, and one of the big things you can do in horror fairly easily as a DM, is introduce things your players don't know anything about. Because if that's really hard when all of the manuals are on the table, that's not as hard as you think. 
Uh, I mean, it's not like any of us read it, but we're probably going to go on the wiki as soon as it shows up. Yeah, fucking read the... the well, okay, you should slap your the phones out of your players' hands, especially if you're playing a, a horror game, uh, Alex. But, um... <laughs> I'm on to you. I think it's you like a fidget cube or something. You know, that would probably be helpful, actually. Right? Because I... Like, I'm still paying attention. I just need something to do. No, I definitely understand. I also have ADHD, but, like... Uh, uh, the looking up and seeing like three quarters of the table on their phone, and one of them who has to be on their phone because he's remoting in, uh, is, a, is it's not great as a DM. Like it makes me a little sad. And then I go, okay, no, everyone's still listening to me. Yeah, like we're still paying attention and making the sassies and the rolls when needed. Yeah, but it's just like my brain needs to have a thing going on. And Shit, I, maybe we need maps again. Maybe. Yeah, we're gonna make a drop cam. It's fine. Um, so the thing about the unknown is that it's really easy to manufacture the unknown, even if nobody has played it. You need the unknown because one of the most important parts of horror is not knowing what's going to happen and not knowing if what you're doing is going to be effective. The easiest way to manufacture the unknown is to take something that's already in the rule books and just change the dressing on it. Like, hey, it's a werewolf, but instead of a wolf man, it's... A dog man. Yeah, you guys find a, a creep. No, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you guys find a pulsating pool of slime. Uh, it attacks you, and you get slapped around, mm -hmm. and then you have to make a constitution save that one of you failed, and then the next morning you wake up and your room is covered in slime. It's a Gooigi. Look out. Oh no. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> uh, but it's. He is friend, though. You play co op. <laughs> He's shaped like a friend. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh,. Super easy to do. Um, you can, like, you can force it with uh, things that maybe they wouldn't, their characters wouldn't know about. Like, we played a very good werewolf campaign where uh, uh, several of us got kind of into the idea that our characters had not encountered werewolves before because, like, knowing about werewolves and having heard a folklore about werewolves are not the same thing. Uh, which is why I kept making like traps that would have worked on a dog but didn't work on a sentient creature. <laughs> Or you just change what works on werewolves, so everyone at the table with their meta knowledge being smart will fail miserably. Yeah, it's a werewolf, except he's weak to... Bronze. Yeah, he's weak to acid and bronze. Because <laughs> they're Greek. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. He's powered by moonlight. You know the moon's always around, right? Yeah. Just harder to see sometimes. Uh, it's not always on your side of the earth. Yeah, but it still exists. It does. Yeah, but it's not like moon... not always there. Moonlight is just reflected sunlight, okay? If anything, they should be stronger werewolves in the day. Hey, can werewolves transform if it's daylight but the moon's visible? I'm just gonna say yes. It seems like they should be able to, right? I guess, yeah. This dog's breaking my heart, Alex. Which, uh, <laughs> considering there wasn't a whole lot to say about the unknown, because it's unknown... Because we don't know it. Just, like, hide... Uh, don't hide things. Make rules that exist in the world that your players aren't aware of. Moves us brief, uh, uh, quickly on to Nightmares and Unlogic, which is the last uh, uh, theme I have. Horror to be accessible, to be able to be like your players are invested in it. Horror should have rules. There should be something... There should be Sorry, uh, uh, rules, things that the monster's oh trying to God. accomplish, things that the... Um, <laughs> You just seen the audio spike when he shook Oh, his head. I saw it. Oh, yeah, we got ourselves a dog spike there, folks. Do we need to, like, move him? Intermission. Over here, bud. Come here. All right, let's, let's get back. That's probably getting edited out. Probably. Yeah. Well, that was, that was welcome back to Dog Talk. Yeah. No, Can I Pet Your Dog is already a very popular podcast. 
I did pet. We did pet the dog, though. There's no question. Ours is yeah. better because there's. We no... have in fact petted this dog. Yeah. No. No. Like I know. Here's we're... our celebrity guest. <laughs> yeah, I know we're trying to build suspense, but not with dogs. The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. He's good boy. He is very good boy. Nightmares and unlogic. Uh, you want an internally consistent set of rules for your monster, whatever they happen to be. They appear out of mist. They're vulnerable to people speaking in Latin. They're vulnerable to people speaking in Portuguese. They're scared of cats, which worked out pretty well in The Mummy, which I just rewatched and is really still pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah. actually that movie's solid, yeah. Yeah, right? You want the rules to be consistent because you want the players to be able to feel like uh, their choices are in some way uh, uh, positive or making a positive choice. You don't want them to like immediately find the the thing that solves the problem but like oh this is a dog beast that died sadly and it needs to consume the hearts of 15 mortals in order to arrive but it's scared of mailmen um (laughs) wait i was gonna say you lost me but i enjoy it so yeah (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't have to make sense because it just has to be internally consistent yeah no yeah a nightmare doesn't make sense the rules of a nightmare aren't the same rules that we have to deal with in reality. Um, they're unlogic. They exist, and they're internally consistent, and they play by those rules, but they're not uh, They're not something that you have to be like, ah, oh, yeah, uh, it, makes it, it totally makes sense that this dog ghost would be scared of mailmen or that fear the color yellow, or we could just put onions out. It does kind of make sense that onions would scare away a dog. But um, don't feed your dog onions. Now, when you say they're scared of yellow, is it specifically Yad, or does any shit work? <laughs> It's Yad. It has to be Yad. It's only Yad. Man, that's reminding me of the fucking Eurelian Time Hounds or whatever from Call of Cthulhu that hunt you through time and they just start like showing up next to you. Uh, and it takes them a while to show up and you get like a week of warning, but they're just like appearing next to you. And I was like, that sounds like a really easy problem to solve because you just get like some dynamite or an IED and you just set it to go off. Like a second after you're pretty sure they'll show up. Jeez. I just keep randomly swinging knives to my left. Yeah, I'm just going to put a big rock on a stool where its skull's going to be. A lot of of Lovecraftian things don't hold up in retrospect because Lovecraft was kind of the first guy to really get into uh, uh, the humans are small type horror. Lovecraft as a person didn't really hold up well. Lovecraft is... No, that is correct. My favorite part of Lovecraft is when other people do it. Yeah. He's just a bad guy. I've got a really good book of Lovecraft, like, unfinished short stories that somebody else found and went, I bet I could write these. Uh, That's awesome. They all make really, really good campaign intros or fodder, and my favorite one is the guy who stays in a haunted house that, like, his uncle... An antiquarian who goes to a haunted house his uncle left him. The quintessential Lovecraft starting point. Or Luigi's Mansion. And his, uh, like, fiancé is like, hey, this house sucks, and leaves. <laughs> uh, and he, he starts having, all. like, dreams. And it's a romantic comedy. No, it actually totally is, because he keeps having dreams about his uncle and, like, a succubus who are trying to seduce him to the dark power. And then he wakes up with his girlfriend, or with his fiancé saving him from the burning house, and she's just like, yeah, fuck that place, actually. That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty great. I just want to throw out, we here at the GM screen do not endorse uncle-based seduction. <laughs> yeah, I'm against that. Yeah, okay. no, it's definitely my favorite one. So, one, I'm going to say final note, we have been going for quite a bit here, is that we've discussed a lot of 
things that could be considered spookies about how I mean, how to torment and otherwise kill your players. If I stop you right now, would you be able to hold on to that thought for the next like 20, 30 seconds? Probably. Okay, I want to talk about jump scares real quick. I don't want to. I hate jump scares. Everybody hates how jump scares. How do you do them in a strictly audio medium? Kick them in the shins. <laughs> <laughs> you just flip the table. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, just have some dude in a werewolf costume underneath the table, and when the werewolf shows up, just be like, knock, knock, motherfucker. So, <laughs> it's not a jump scare exactly. It can be. But you can, ratchet, be. you can ratchet up the tension pretty thoroughly by either slamming the table or suddenly changing the cadence of your voice without warning uh, and immediately announcing what's happening. It's not... I wouldn't recommend it as, like, your go-to if you just keep slapping the table and being like, it's ghosts now! Um, nobody is, like, into that. <laughs> well, yeah, it goes back to our Five Nights at Freddy's thing, where it's spooky the first time, by the fifth, you're annoyed and you want to install it. But if you, if you like, let a conversation start about what uh, the players want to do next, and you start, like, tapping the table, and maybe somebody notices, maybe they don't, and then you slam it and go, like, the windows slam shut around you! You can uh, get gonna, a good you can get a good response from that. I'm gonna murder you for actually tapping the table during that. <laughs> I know. Do you know? Yes. My life I is wasn't paying up. attention to the spikes. Um, uh, that that kind of moves into the like how much you actually want to scare people. Uh, you should definitely know your audience pretty well. You should let them know what they're getting into if you've got a pretty good idea. You you want to tell a, a horror story. But you want people to know that it's going to be a horror story, and you want people to uh, uh, come into it understanding that they will be scared. Okay. Okay. Yeah, now when that comes up, this brings back to my idea of one thing I feel like we've been untapped here, like one of the easiest ways to build tension and spooky shit, the other players. Like We've we've mentioned the thing quite a few times here, so I feel like, oh, yeah, yeah one of the, the best ways to do this is to find a way to pit your players against each other. Because not only does that create the most unscripted, unsettling shit that can happen, you don't have to do anything. That's true. It's the easiest method. I Even actually it's did not that. True, implicating that a player is part of the bad will just set it up immediately. Because even if no one has any connection, the person you implicate will immediately start defending themselves. And then, of course, there's that one person that's going to be like, well, he's being a little defensive. And yeah, that's zero effort in for maximum stress out. Yeah, you just start the game telling about it, like, okay, yeah, um, one of you is definitely a demon. But anyway, that's actually... You keep pulling people aside and telling them nothing. The exact opposite of something I've done, and I love that. Neither of you were in the uh, space horror game I ran uh, many years ago where I had uh, a stack of note cards mm -hmm. that most of them just had a... Uh, a small like skill penalty to spot or listen or something like that because uh, the space aliens were attacking their spaceship. But a couple of them had direct commands from the space aliens that had to be followed. Uh, and one of them immediately got the one that was like, kill everybody else on the ship and went running around screaming with a machete and nobody noticed anything was wrong because he had said he was going to do that during the character creation. <laughs> uh, and so like he just... They just killed him or, like, locked him in a... You know what? I'm pretty sure they locked him in a closet and they didn't take him with them when they evacuated. All right. Uh, but, uh... One he got of, the broom closet ending. One of them got... Uh, one of them actually did get a command from the aliens that they started following and started, like, trying to convince the other players that, oh, no, we should definitely jettison the escape pods right now because it is the correct choice and it's more likely that people will get away in order to feed them to the giant squid alien that attacked the uh, uh, spaceship. 
uh, one guess as to which player that was. <laughs> but uh, uh, that was a lot of fun and really cool and really, like, horror when the space squid ate all those escape pods. And also, not what I intended, because the, the space alien sent them a command that they couldn't ask questions about. And they hadn't actually found the thing that the space alien wanted, uh, so they just assumed he wanted something else. Huh. <laughs> That's fun. So there, uh, secret notes. Good way to ratchet up suspense. Good way to do things. Uh, I say either prepare notes for everybody, or like if you want to implicate someone, just hand them notes. It's okay to hand somebody a note that just says, "Pretend like this note says something cool." Yeah. Yeah. Or no. Like, um, again, going back to you're paranoia. my friend and I care paranoia. about you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, like. I'd start out the game by handing everyone a note that had their secret society thing, because everyone in that game is secretly a commie asshole who's destroying everything. And one time, I gave every single player a note that just says, look at this and nod approvingly, and then hand it back to me. <laughs> Alright, we're um, we're getting a little long in the tooth here. Final thought. Uh, I didn't have this. No, um, you had a thing you were in the middle you... of. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Oh, yeah. okay. So, Get on my level, dude. I'm no. tired. I got oh. the flu shot today. Ooh. It's going to be too late, but get the flu shot next yeah. year. I guess, yeah, by the time you're listening to this, you either did it or you're already sick. Vaccinations so. are good. I'm taking that stance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's cool with me. No, that's a hill I'll die on. Let's do yeah, it. No, yeah, I was going to say, if you if you don't agree with that, I don't care about you as a listener because you'll die soon. <laughs> <laughs> and then become a, a ghost. Yeah, and then you'll become a spooky ghost. Spooky. Oh. Uh, All right. Hey, well, thank you guys again so much for listening. Yeah. Um, as always, our normal bookkeeping crap here. Um, we are accessible. If you got any ideas or you just want to say what's up, uh, hit us up over at Twitter at the or it's at DM Screen Podcast or the same thing DM Screen Podcast at Gmail dot com. We're running out of ideas, so please let us know what you're curious about. We'll throw that junk in here. Yeah, and, we barely got like sixteen more queued up. Yeah, we're on, but we're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. Uh, drop us a rating, give us a review, that all helps, obviously. Um, and if you do, you're our friend. And Yay! We love you. It won't hang out. bad. It'll be fine. Five stars, please. I was uh, gonna say, does a bad rating help us get found? I don't know. Fair I enough. mean, ratings is ratings, aren't they? Yeah. That's what they say. You Any know what they say. That, yeah, no such thing as bad publicity. Yep. Alright. I don't want to test that. I mean, like, you yeah. can, if you're not a fan of this, please let us know. We'll fix it. Yeah, this podcast it, advocated it, dog murder. <laughs> We're not we're not in a good place there. No, no. Please, please, if you have feedback, just to tell us. Like we're yeah. a bunch of we're a bunch of dumb goofs. So, yeah, hit us up. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's about that all we had here. Have yourself, sad. yeah. But <laughs> yeah, everyone, have yourself an incredibly spooky Christmas. Yeah, and as always, don't split the party. Yeah, we're just keeping that. Now. Yeah, it's in now. especially in a fucking horror game. Yeah. Oh, actually, please do. Yeah, no, wait. Actually, split the party. Split the party a lot. It'll work really well. Split the party forever. (laughs)